So the last time I made a podcast without introducing the podcast with my music was a few months ago, January 6th, the day that it forever remains an infamy, the day that a mob stormed the U.S. Capitol. And I just didn't think that it was, you know, fit to be able to have such a nice theme song, you know, introduced what we were talking about, something very somber. And by not introducing this episode with the theme song, I'm, you know, aiming for the same tone. I want to talk about, broadly speaking, the, the trial that was heard around the world, or at least the verdict that was heard around the world. Talk about what I think the trial means for where the country is at currently. Uh, before I begin, I just want to just make a couple things clear so as to not be misquoted. Um, I didn't watch the trial. I, <clears throat> you know, had other things to do. I didn't watch the trial. I didn't watch any of the prosecution or the defense. I, I, I didn't. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily question uh, the the verdict. I, I will question the, the circumstances surrounding the verdict, but. You know, in terms of the system working, I, I, I do trust the, the system. So I just want to say that very clear. You know, if, if it turns out that, that he was actually guilty, so then he was actually guilty. If it turns out that he was innocent, then, you know, then he should have been declared innocent. This was wrong. But again, I'm not so, in, not so into whether or not, um, you know, the technicalities of, of the verdict as much as, you know, the things surrounding the verdict. But I want to start off by, by talking about the following, something that I believe... Um, in dearly. So, for as most of you probably know by now, I must have mentioned it a few times. So, I'm currently studying international relations at American University, and just finished my first uh, term there. And on the very last day, one of my professors had a debate. The second time, I think, in the semester, we had a debate. We were split up into two sides, and the question was: Is the United States still? You know, a hegemonic power. Is it still? Is it still the number one in the world? Are we still? You know, are, are we still living in a time of American hegemony, or are we not? Professor split us up into into two groups. I was actually on the side that said that America's hegemon is declining. So that's what I had to argue that American hegemon was declining. And one of the things that I said that my classmates got a kick out of, you know, because it was a cheap shot. But I said, you know, recently the president of the United States fell up the stairs to Air Force One. And that video of him tripping up the stairs was broadcast literally throughout the world on state media across all of our adversaries. And they were laughing at us. They were laughing at us. The, the, the leader of the free world can't even walk up the stairs. And I said, you know, we, we, we didn't used to be a country that had other countries laugh at us. And that in and of itself is indicative of a decline of American hegemon. That was one thing that I said arguing for my side. Again, I was put on the side that said that America is, uh, you know, we're declining in the world. And then the professor, she always does this after a debate, which I love. You know, she lets us share what our actual opinions are. And uh, I, I, I spoke up and I said, you know, my comment about Biden was, was, was only half joking. I think it is a cheap shot to say like, oh, the man tripped up the stairs. That's, you know, it's people trip. 
But I think it is right to say that the world laughs at the United States. Our enemies laugh at us. And as someone whose life and hopefully, hopefully the source of my income is going to be studying the relationship between great powers and the inevitability of war. So that's frightening. You don't want to be the country that gets laughed at. That's not the place that you want to be in the, in the international order. But, I'm, but the world does laugh at us. Today is an example of the world laughing at us. Here you have the Russians who are putting more troops along the Ukrainian border, hoping to eventually make a move to seize the Baltic states, gain total control of the Baltic, and totally disrupt the post-Cold War order of Europe. How, how do you think the Russians view the United States, which is supposed to be their adversary, which is supposed to be their check on their power, how do you think the Russians view us when we're sitting here waiting with bated breath to see whether or not cities across cities are going to be burned down? That for the half hour that we waited at 4.30, waiting to hear the verdict, we were all wondering, are going to be able to go out for the next couple of days because the cities are going to be on fire or are we not? What do you think Russia thinks of us when we do that? Any minute now, the Chinese are going to make an effort to take Taiwan. That we know. We know that the South China Sea is going to become a source of conflict, if not war, in the pretty distant, in the pretty near future. How do you think the Russians think, the, the Chinese, I'm sorry, think, when they see us explode internally? When the leaders of our of our country, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, the men that Russia and China are supposed to fear. How do you think they view us when we have press conferences talking about diversity? Now, you may think that having a diverse State Department or Defense Department is a good thing, and we can argue the merits of that. But I don't know if I've ever seen Secretary of Defense do anything defense-related. It's all been about this, diversity and race relations. And our adversaries laugh. Iran laughs. Russia laughs. China laughs. They laugh at us. So America, I argued, and this is my actual opinion, we are seeing the decline. I don't know if it's the end, we're seeing the decline of American hegemony. America wasn't the country that got laughed at. But now we are. So let's talk about what surrounded this trial and just to paint a picture of the state of 21st century America. So like I said, the fact that we had to wait with bated breath to see whether or not Minneapolis was going to be burned down shows you that we're not in a healthy place. Now, again, the, the, the trial shouldn't have been in Minneapolis. It is hard to imagine that an impartial jury of, of Derek Chauvin's peers could have been found in Minneapolis. That is, the, the, that is, I think, legitimately questionable. But then there are also the more, the more important issues. 
When was the last time a sitting president of the United States, the leader of the free world, when was the last time the president of the United States weighed in on an ongoing case? Ah, but the jury was sequestered. That's, that, that, that's beyond irrelevant. America prides itself on the independence of the judiciary. The president of the United States doesn't get to weigh in on, and pray, as he said. He prays for the right verdict. Because according to him, the, the evidence is overwhelming. I was talking about this with a good friend of mine today. So far as I can tell, that that's an impeachable offense. You're not allowed to do that. So are we really okay with that? Is that where we're at? Are we okay with Maxine Waters telling people to get more confrontational? Now, by the way, once the guilty verdict was handed down by the jury, you would have thought that's the end of it. We'll move on. But I don't know. You had this one host from, from, from MSNBC. It's not enough. He's not happy about it. More needs to be done. It, it, it just, you know, if you're a student of history, you know, more has to be done. More has to be done. More has to be done. The communists said that. Stalin thought more had to be done. Lenin thought more had to be done. Mao thought more had to be done. They were never suffice until they got what they ultimately wanted was the destruction of their very society. So is that where we're going? Can we not have a trial in the United States of America that isn't politicized? Can we have that? Or as a people, have we moved beyond that? And if we've moved beyond that, so then let's just call a spade a spade. We are no longer living in the America of our founders. We are no longer able to live up to the ideals that America is a place where you can pursue happiness. We aren't, we, we aren't living in that place. The American project is therefore over. Is that where we are? I just, I just want everyone to just look at this from, uh, from like a pretty, like put aside, put aside whether or not you thought Derek Chauvin was guilty or innocent. Just put that aside. Are we really okay with the surrounding aspects of the case? You know, I was in Lowe's on Sunday. I went to go buy a grill. And if you've ever been to Lowe's, so you know in the summertime, all the grills are outside. And I walked into Lowe's with my mom, and I see all the grills are inside. And they're, and they're taking up uh, floor space. I thought it was very weird. So I went over to one of the guys, and I said, what? Like, why are all the grills inside? And he said, we have to move them in because we're preparing for riots. Like, let that sink in. They're preparing for riots. So is that where we are? Are we at, are, are, are we, we're just okay with it? We're okay with the stores preparing for riots, bordering up their entire stores. 
meanwhile, meanwhile, our enemies are laughing at us. And from my perspective, someone who, like I said, is going to make this hopefully his living, the fact that America is in such disarray internally puts us in a severe disadvantage when it comes to facing the real threats to the world order. It distracts us. It takes away the sense of unity that's necessary for America to fight and successfully fight a war. But in the meantime, we're moving all the grills inside in case today's verdict came down the other way. Everything in American society has become politicized. The most independent thing that this country is supposed to have, the judiciary, the legal process, has become politicized. And we need a reality check. Because here's the alternative reality check. If we don't if we don't seriously consider whether or not we're willing to live this way, the other reality check is the reality check that happened back in 1861. That was a real reality check. What's the future of this country going to look like? Now, I hope to God that we don't have to have a repeat of the Civil War. My confidence level is quite low that we're not going to have one. But there's enough talk now about people seeing, I think, historical patterns between 21st century America and 19th century America to scare all of us into shock and to make us reconsider what we are and who we are and what we want to be. It's... it's it it just I, I'm I'm just I'm just sometimes at a loss of words to look at American American society nowadays. American society has become obsessed with us and them. They're the anti-racists and the anti-fascists, and then by association, they're the racists and they're the fascists. And speaks to what we spoke about recently. I mean, those comments and the rhetoric that surrounds things like this trial speaks of speaks to how, <clears throat> to how historically illiterate everyone is. Race relations today are not race relations in the 1800s. They're not race relations even in the era of Jim Crow. We're not. That, that's not where we are. That isn't to say we're perfect. But we aren't in Jim Crow. We aren't in Southern slavery. 
fascism. Everyone's a fascist. I mean, talk to, speak to the Italians under Mussolini and ask them whether or not there are fascists running around in the United States. You want to see real racists? There are places in the world you can go to nowadays and meet real racists. Take a look at what's happening in China. In Xinjiang with the Uyghur Muslims. Perhaps the greatest... Perhaps the greatest war crime since World War II is the genocide that the Chinese are perpetrating against the Uyghur Muslims. But we're too busy figuring out whether or not we should rewrite American history and paint America's historical founding as one that started in 1619 and attempting to deal with the fact that there is places in the world right now where people will arrest you in the middle of the night, take you away from your children, throw you into re-education camps, never to be seen of again. Go watch the Vice News documentary and then come back and tell me how bad we have it here in America. If we don't now do an honest assessment of ourselves and see that if we don't find common ground, we're going to see to the end of America. It won't take a Chinese invasion of Taiwan or a Russian invasion of Eastern Europe to bring about the death of America. We will kill ourselves from the inside out. That's where we're headed. What else explains comments like that from the MSNBC host? That it's not enough until there's destruction. Until the American system is destroyed. Those are the words that they're being used, destroyed. If we don't find and regain that unity... So America's history will be from 1776 to 2021. I'll just end with a story that I only recently saw. I don't even know how it came up on my my YouTube feed. But obviously I was too young to have any real memories of, of, of September 11th. I was three. Um, and recently I stumbled across a video. Every time I watch it, I just get the chills and, and, uh, I get emotional. Shortly after September 11th, so then President Bush threw out the first pitch at the Yankee game. And I'm just getting the chills now, even thinking about it. And in this little clip that I saw on YouTube, so someone, I forget who he was, mentioned that, and just, it just before I get to that, you just have to picture this, right? This is Yankee Stadium. Now, despite being a Phillies fan, there is something American about Yankee Stadium. You know, in the era of Derek Jeter, 
And so just imagine that the United States just had the most horrific attack in its history. Radical Islamic terrorists tried to destroy everything that we are. And here about a month, I think it was about a month or so later, and we're still playing ball, there comes out the President of the United States. And he throws the first pitch. So this one guy in the clip said that, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't vote for him. But at that moment, I couldn't have been more proud to have a leader willing to stand on the mound at Yankee Stadium and throw out the first pitch and tell the rest of the world that you won't destroy us. And it's so worthwhile to just watch this video and to see Yankee Stadium erupt into chants of USA, USA. That is everything about America. Those same chants of USA, USA were repeated not too long ago when SEAL Team 6 killed Osama bin Laden. It didn't matter at that moment. White, black, Republican, Democrat, we were Americans. When we fought back against Al-Qaeda, we were the power the greatest power in the world. When we hunted down and tracked Osama bin Laden's ass to that, to that compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan, we showed the world that if you mess with us, we will find you and we will kill you. And for those moments in that baseball game, we were all Americans. We were united with a common history and a common purpose. That despite all of our failures, we're Americans, and we still inherit the greatest country in the world with by far the greatest political system ever to be devised by the minds of humans. I yearn for the next time that at a baseball game, we get to chant USA, USA, recognizing that we are still the greatest And we're also Americans. We should hope to see that return, the return of that great patriotism and that sense of unity speedily in our days. Because I'm afraid that in another, in another little while, we will have struck out and America will be no longer. So let's hope and pray that we can restore the ideals of America and finally come together and end the politicization, the politicization of, of this country and everything in it. And let's hope that that happens sooner before it's too late. This has been another episode of the No Filter Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Dolitsky. Until next time, have a great day.